is, yes. <laughs> it is that time. And not just any time. It is the time to end all times. <laughs> Wait, no, we're going to... No, that's it's, not true. It's it's the end of days. It's the end days. Well, that's going to come up probably, but we'll explain why later. Exactly. Uh, uh, welcome to Super Duper Stitches. The paranormal that? podcast that... Uh, is too excited for its own good. Exactly. We have a big show today. And, and We do science and spooky, and but I'm, I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And uh, welcome back, y'all. And if it's your first time listening, welcome to the show. We're happy it's to have you. as much ya. of a mess at the beginning as any other episode you listen to exactly we take pride in our mess bless this mess it bless says this over mess. our house that we have exactly. somewhere and the tattoos that we have on our chests yes. and backs <laughs> bless this chest <laughs> as of this week we are celebrating our second birthday of having completed recording on our very first episode that's right we have been alive for 24 months yes now if you've been listening or paying attention at all to the dates on the actual episodes you'll know that we waited six entire months to release that first episode we had to get that fully together and everything but we finished it mm-hmm. april 1st 2017 and we weren't fooling them around about that no and <laughs> now we're back <laughs> um, with our second episode <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate our second uh, birthday yes. anniversary and 60th app. And 60th app. It's a kind of double milestone. Mm-hmm. We are doing something extra special. Wyatt, what is that extra special thing? We are hosting a celebratory tournament in our collective honor, both us and you guys out there in the wide world. And this tournament will be essentially determining which of a global arrangement of cults is, is the, the very best. best. Yeah. And uh, we're doing this because uh, who doesn't want to figure out which cult is best, honestly? Exactly. We have a whole bracket prepared. If you haven't seen it already, we'll have it posted for you to check it out and see, follow along with us and see what you think is going to happen exactly. over the course of this episode. So definitely place your bets. We uh, would like to introduce everyone to the NCAA, which is the Nominal Cults Antagonism Association Analyzer. Jake, do you want to describe a little bit about what this is? This is an arcane machine that we half invented and half summoned that uh, we can use to determine which cult is best through, I mean, what would you say? We, we kind of it's, bring them out of, out of time. They come out of time, out of space. Uh, basically, we can access any and all cults that have ever existed. Um, unfortunately, can't access cults that will exist just yet. We're still working on that right but we can then put them together in this sort of challenge chamber where they face off and within uh, for them i think it works out to somewhere between a half an hour and ten thousand years we're yes. not totally sure but that much time passes they come back out it seems instantaneous for us it will be yeah it will be as an instant has passed for all of us but for them they will have gone through up to ten thousand years <laughs> worth of continuous conflict iteratively living dying and living again <laughs> fighting forever until and, uh, one emerges victorious and then we can write down which one it is exactly um so simple as that yeah, the machine no itself is uh part technology part flesh we won't describe how <laughs> we made it it resembles the coin and the wheels uh which we also have in the room today so yeah it's a pretty crowded up. house today with all of our our bells and whistles are ready to go so we will be hitting you with some shadowlands roulette later as well indeed so we will have this will work as single elimination brackets sort of march madness style jake and i will read off some features of each cult prior to sort of letting the machine do its thing we'll give you an idea of what what we can expect in the conflict that will be happening and then uh, we'll let you know the result because by the time we finish talking 
hopefully they will have finished fighting. Resolved their uh, dis- disputes. And um, right, so determination of Victoria's cults will be out of our hands. We really truly don't know how things will turn out. And uh, there will be both a first and second halftime show <laughs> along with intermissions. Halves, you know. Yes. Now, before we get into this amazing tournament championship thing, we need to uh, talk a little bit about something else we have special this week, too. In addition to it being our second birthday, our 60th episode, it is the launch of our Patreon, baby! It was bound to happen eventually. We are very excited about this because we think it's going to help the show continue to grow in a very major way. We have a lot of things planned for the future of Super Duperstitious. And yeah, so uh, by the time you're listening to this, the Patreon is live and you can check it out. There'll be the top link in our description. It'll be all over our various social media. So indeed. We'll be throwing it at you in every possible way. We want to make this show a major part of our lives and... Uh, yeah, we would love to have your guys' help in doing that. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll describe, d- more, describe future, more later. But, yeah. but that's that's it for now. So, What is a cult? In the strictest sense, it is a system of religious or otherwise dedicated veneration of a concept, person, or object. Generally, you're holding up a thing and dedicating a lot of your life to it. Yeah. But what qualifies as a cult can often depend on your membership status. So yeah. typically people who are within a cult don't tend to see it that way. It's just and, uh, a particular movement that they consider themselves to be part important. of. Yeah, yeah, happen to think is important. The use of the term cult is kind of in itself pretty much necessarily insulting to anyone in the group. That's why Indeed. people don't consider themselves to be part of one. The accepted term nowadays for things that might be considered cults is new religious group, I believe. Or, or organization new, movement. New religious, new religious movement, that's what yeah. I'm looking for. New religious movement. Um, some of these you might consider a new religious movement. Some of them are just like, no, nah, it's a cult. Uh, <laughs> you'll be able to determine for yourself what kind of makes one or the other. A lot of it has to do with whether or not harm is befalling people who are members or Indeed. whether they're doing harm to others. Indeed. It can be a dicey situation. It can be totally fine, no harm done to anyone, like totally fine that they're doing their thing, everyone's happy. Yeah, freedom but, of religion uh, fundamentally. Exactly. We don't want to dump all over that with this show. We, we, we are to... simply having some fun. If you happen to be a member of one of these cults and you're living a happy, healthy life, more power to you. Yeah, and then, you know, it, for you, it isn't a cult. And it, yeah, well, it's... if you happen to be a freak who's <laughs> <Yeah>. involved <laughs> in one of these things. Um, but if, if any of this sounds like something that either is applies to you or sounds interesting to you, uh, depending on which thing we're talking about, more power to you. <laughs> Some of them, maybe not so much. That's right. So, without any further ado. So, starting in the World Division. This will be the Order of the Solar Temple versus Ohmism. So, let me uh, describe a bit about the Order of the Solar Temple first. They are from France, Switzerland, and Canada, also known as the Ordre du Temple Solaire in French. Flawless. Thank you. And um, the International Chivalric Organization of the Solar Tradition, or simply as the Solar Temple. It is a secret society, not so secret, and sect that claims to be based upon the ideals of the Knights Templar. Uh-huh. Started by Joseph D. Mambro and Luc Jaurès in 1984 in Geneva as what I said before, <laughs> and later renamed the other thing. Oh, God. <laughs> um, they believe in establishing, quote, correct notions of authority and power in the world, unquote, and affirmation of the primacy of the spiritual over the temporal. 
assisting humanity through a great quote-unquote transition, preparing for the second coming of that boy Jesus Christ. Oh, I know that one. As a solar god king and furthering a unification of all Christian churches in Islam. Jake, what's what's Omism about? Omism was also founded in a similar geographic area. It was founded in 1969 in the so-called oh, holy yeah. city of Mandaram near Castellan in the French Alps. Ooh. Uh, it was founded by Gilbert Bardin, also known as Hamsa Manara, the cosmoplanetary messiah of synthesis. Uh, he did this after Naturally. getting just super into Eastern spirituality. Yep. Uh, in the words of the website omism.org, the English version anyway, omism is the universal religion that unites all religious currents on earth and the unity of the sound om. It is the ideal of unity for the evolution of humanity and its maintenance in the golden age, age of peace and worldwide solidarity. The word omism comes from the sound om at the origin of all religious traditions of humanity, om, amen, amin, and leads to the unity of the absolute, the fusion in God. Om crystallizes the universal language that brings souls together, connecting hmm. them with the divine spirit, that which many messengers of God are talking about, and which crystallizes the golden age. So, a lot of crystallizing happening. A lot of crystals. Uh, so, Bordon was basically that one guy freshman year of college who yeah. read the <laughs> Bhagavad Gita once, yes. and then needed to tell everyone who would listen about his deep and profound understanding of spirituality and the universe. Sounds about right. In the Knights Templar, <laughs> the Knights Templar, the old <laughs> order of the Solar Temple, there is a progression by levels and grades, with three grades per level, and uh, members were initiated at each stage of advancement in ceremonies, which included expensive purchases, jewelry, costumes, regalia, and the payment of initiation fees. A sure sign <laughs> that this was legit religious. <laughs> yes. How about the Omism guys? What are some of their features? Uh, some of the stuff they do, this is again lifted directly from their website. Um, it involves experiencing one's faith without attempting to impose it onto others. Praying for everyone, friends and foes alike. Mm -hmm. It is to be a selfless servant of the world and the universe. Oh my. Uh, focusing on purifying oneself inwardly while also helping to purify the astral and material planes of both inhabited and uninhabited worlds. Sounds like a Joanna vibe. It does. Uh, helping our friends, the entities of stones, plants, animals, and elements oh, yeah. to reach the higher kingdoms of the great evolutionary ladder of which man is only a link. So we're just raising the vibrations of everyone and everything here. Goodness gracious. How many how many omists are there? Is that what they even call themselves? Uh, the most recent estimate I could get was that there are around 400 practicing omists. Yes, that is incorrect. Uh, still in Mandaram to this day. Uh, in their nifty robes and mirrored headwear. Oh, my. This was in 2010, though, as the most recent estimate was 2010. Sure. So the number may be quite a bit smaller now. <laughs> Omism was bigger back along, but after uh, it shrunk quite a bit after Bardan, the cosmoplanetary messiah of synthesis, died in 1998. <laughs> and uh, similarly, total membership in the Order of the Solar Temple is uncertain. And uh, honestly, most members are likely gone because after performing a ritual last supper, uh, DiMambro initiated a series of mass suicides and murders. Oh, my God. So excellent cult credentials, but makes total counts a tricky thing. Yeah, I, I would say so. So these two cults are now competing against one another. That's right. So what does the Order of the Solar Temple bring to the table in this this fight for supremacy? Well, we can expect as an attack, they will be identifying the Antichrist and using a wooden stake to murder them. Oh, wow. Preferably when they're still a baby. Oh, wow. As a defensive maneuver, they uh, will identify the Antichrist and using a wooden stake uh, murder them. Okay. 
uh, to protect themselves from the Antichrist, of course. That makes sense. Uh, evasively, they will uh, launch their own souls up to Sirius by any means necessary. So this is a wow. planet that receives souls, sort of a star planet thing. Yeah. Um, and by any means necessary, essentially being death, sure. self-imposed. And then as a wild card trait or ability, they purportedly have an authentic Templar artifact in the form of a uh, sword that was okay. passed down. I have some just kind of more general information about the Amists here. While it will be tempting to describe the group's primary offense and defense and really anything as them simply making the sound all... <laughs> Indeed, that's what I expected as well. It's more fair to say that their main asset is a patient desire to understand and respect all. <laughs> uh, this can be done by combining every Eastern spiritual and philosophical <laughs> belief into a colorful collage, which white people can then use to play dress up in the mountains. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, I would say the Amists are in this competition to win it. And by win it, I mean achieve enlightenment and unity for all beings, living and not living alike, real and fake. As they explicitly say, they're not out to impose their worldview onto others, but they do want to help everyone and everything reach the higher plane that we are all destined for. So winning for them would necessarily entail winning for everyone. I like that very much because I feel like it is the counterpoint to the uh, Order of the Solar Temple, who most likely... Uh, want to reestablish the Knights Templar themselves mm -hmm. and uh, very much impose their will on everyone. And um, they're definitely not a totally religious terrorist group in their own right. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. I do want to make one note that based on the same logic with the Amists, that winning really requires that everyone win together. It's uh, true. So if anyone at all doesn't win, the Amists lose by default. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> shall we uh, see what happens? Let's see what happens. All right, All right we're they are entering the, the chamber machine. now. I can see them walking in. Okay. All right. And ooh, by a thin margin, it does look like the Order of the Solar Temple came out on top. Would you look at that? Not super surprising given the differences between the two. Indeed. Well, that concludes the very first match. That was a pretty climactic i feel like <laughs> <laughs> truly this machine we have created is uh exactly what everyone could have hoped for indeed is in it? a tournament style uh, <laughs> competition all table setting and no dinner <laughs> it looks like the order of the solar temple will advance and they will get to hang out for a bit while the rest of the quarterfinals finish up Yes. It looks like next on the docket are uh, Shepherd's Rod and Temple of Set. Yes. Uh, Jake, do you want to tell me a bit about Temple of Set? Temple of Set was formed in 1975 by Michael Aquino, or Aquino, I think, who up until that time had been a member of the Church of Satan uh, and rapidly had risen oh, to the ranks to the previously unattained status of Magister Templi of the Fourth Order. Ooh. It's pretty cool. Like you do. But he got kind of dissatisfied with Satan uh, Satanism, finding that too many people were joining who he considered, quote, fad followers, egomaniacs, and assorted oddballs whose primary interest in becoming Satanists was to flash their membership cards for uh, for cocktail party notoriety. So he decided huh. he would make his to leave and make his own religion, but do it right. The, so oh he, my goodness. He, he implored Satan directly, who spoke to him. Naturally. And told him. That first of all, he preferred to be um, called by his original name, Set, the uh, mm. Prince of Darkness from back in the good old days of being worshipped by the Egyptians. Yep. And said that, yeah, you need to go out and make this book that I'll tell you how to write. 
and uh, and he did. <laughs> and so at the core of this set of beliefs would be the idea of individualism, that is, not kneeling before some higher power in hopes of gaining their love and acceptance, but taking steps to look out for number one. Um, that's what Seth wants you to do, Wyatt. He's just so happy to see people find their own paths and make it on their own. I like this guy, and he is hilariously very similar to the founder of Shepherd's Rod, Victor Hutef, who uh, founded Shepherd's Rod in 1929. He was originally a Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, but, uh, they're going to come up again later. But was disfellowshipped in 1930 for promoting what they considered heretical doctrines. Mm. Basically, they weren't Seventh-day Adventist enough for him. Essentially, they are Seventh-day Adventists who read the Bible so hard, they started to see it as a magic eye puzzle. <laughs> and they discovered new cryptic prophecies to follow in preparing for the second coming of Christ. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Basically, they gave it all up to God and Christ and Holy Spirit and God and Christ. But somehow, they're still less intense than mainstream Seventh-day Adventists. I don't get how. Interesting. Good times. We have the battle of the kind of break-off groups. Indeed. One decidedly Christian, one uh, decidedly not. They like to consider themselves separate from Satanists, for sure. They call themselves Setians instead. Ooh. Um, it's kind of hard to tell how many of them are out there. The Temple of Set Facebook page currently has about 13,799 <laughs> likes. Mm -hmm. uh, so some percentage of those are probably members, but Wikipedia estimates they have between 200 and 500 members total. Oh my goodness. A little, little different. The uh, Shepherd's Rod, um, by the mid-1950s, uh, among regular subscribers, students, and devotees, may have numbered close to 100,000 worldwide, but those numbers have since likely changed, Yeah. though that organization collectively still does exist. What would the set boys do in the upcoming uh, competition? Well, one of the main things that's very important to uh, being a member of the Temple of Set is practicing black magic, which they sometimes refer to as like left-hand magic. And so performing these kind of powerful acts for yourself. So if in mm -hmm. this case, if they want to win, they're going to use their, their magic to do it. They'll probably also use moral superiority to other satanic and satanic adjacent <laughs> groups. And um, also probably the most powerful tool they would have is hardcore New World Order conspiracy nonsense from Aquino himself. So they have some, nice. some different tricks up their sleeves. I like that. Um, I think... We can expect uh, Shepherd's Rod to, uh, in retaliation, bonk disbelievers and heretics with their rod. And they will also break away from conflict of any kind when you aren't keeping up with the hidden messages that they're hoping to see. So essentially, they're expecting, probably, to um, sort of interpret set in their own way. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're also very capable herders. <laughs> Naturally. So ultimately, the Temple of Set wants everyone to worship Set and practice the black magic of their various orders, which include Order of Beelzebub, uh, Order of Leviathan, Order of Set Nekamwast, Order of the Trapezoid, and Order of the Vampire. Order of the Trapezoid? You know, those things. <laughs> oh my um, god. Which, by the way, part of uh, some of the things that the Order of the Trapezoid does is um, try and understand the secrets of the universe and some kind of general grail quest stuff. Naturally. Um, so anyway... They would never claim to want power in the way of wanting to actually rule the world or anything, but they're very adamant about the necessity of individual will and direct application of black magic. None of this is meant to be theoretical, but instead purely practical. Very oh my. different from Satanism. Uh, also, not for nothing, membership is 80 bucks a year. Oh, how about that? Shepherd's Rod, their main motivation in this competition, they told me earlier, was getting something <laughs> like 144,000 people to collectively set the finest tables for the Big JC. The Big JC Penny. 
So let's see what will happen when these two very strong-willed groups face off. Oh, a decisive victory for Shepherd's Rod. Shepherd's Rod moves so on. Shepherd's Rod will face off with Order of the Solar Temple in the semifinals. Very exciting. So next up in the uh, quarterfinals of the World Division of Cults, <laughs> we have Realism. 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 I think. Realism. Uh, anyway, we have Realism versus. Happy Science. Happy Science? That sounds great. It sounds like two things I like. I want to hear about that first. Well, uh, they are formerly known as the Institute for Research in Human Happiness. They oh. were founded in 1986 in Japan by Ryuho Okawa. Okawa? I'm probably saying his name wrong. Their aim is to simply bring happiness to humanity by spreading the capital T truth. In order to obtain happiness, though, one must practice the principles of happiness known as the fourfold path. Okay. Love that gives wisdom, self-reflection, and progress. So they don't sound too uh, too nasty. No, this sounds like it's only good things. And how about realism? <laughs> realism comes from French former race car driver and car journalist uh, Claude Varlon. He lays all this out in his 1974 book, The Book Which Tells the Truth. And his follow-up the following year, Extraterrestrials Took Me to Their Planet. So two books which really put everything on the table with their titles alone. Wow. Uh, basically, he says that he had alien encounters with beings who gave him knowledge of the origins of all major religions and convinced him to change his name to Ryle. This included an instance on October 7, 1975, when he was abducted and taken to have meals with Jesus, Buddha, and other religious figures. Ooh, dope. So generally, they say that um, you know thousands of years ago, scientists from another planet came to Earth and created all forms of life, including human beings, Yep. Um, which they created in their own image. These different beings came and were misinterpreted as gods. Prometheus. The race, yes, the race is referred to as Elohim, which the ancient Hebrew means those who come from the sky. Mm. According to them, all major religious figures and prophets are therefore secretly members of this alien race, and the name of the game here is Intelligent Design. Interesting. I, I'm enjoying so far these pairings, while they are within League, were entirely random, and it's funny that you would mention all these things because... Three major qualities about the Happy Science group. They're, the only requirement to join is that applicants must have, quote, the aspiration and discipline to seek the truth and actively com uh, contribute to the realization of love, peace, and happiness on Earth. But they also believe in reincarnation, and they also believe in aliens. Interesting. So there's similar uh, similarities here. Yeah, this one's a lot more of truth and a lot more heavily UFO focused in this so th case. That one's but... UFOs. All right, this is happiness. With a side of UFOs, that this was is just UFOs. UFOs. With a side of happiness, I yes, feel like. I suppose. Or more UFOs, like saying, like aliens saying, "Oh, this is how you can be happy." More, it's it's really centralized around that idea. Uh, tell me more about the uh, Rialians. Rialians, by and large, belonging to Rialism involves revering the Elohim, but also seeking to understand their true nature and intent for us. A lot of the beliefs reflect sex-positive feminism. Oh, which is pretty cool. That's cool. So they're in favor of masturbation and safe sex. A lot of earlier news coverage of realism really focused on just the sex stuff, but there was more to it than that. They founded a group <laughs> against female genital mutilation, and they are pro-GMO and nanotechnology and anti-war. Hmm. That's cool. Well, I don't dislike either of these groups so far. And there are apparently around 100,000 rallians out there in the world at this very moment, so they sure, for sure have strength in numbers. That's pretty cool. They're... While I couldn't find an exact count, they claim to have 
uh, membership count, uh, numbering in the millions, wow. specifically up to 11 million members. Wow. That is uh, practicing a fair number. Happy science. So that's a good order of magnitude or two above what I've Perhaps. got going on over here, but that's fine. Uh, what are some different things they bring to the table battle-wise and otherwise? Uh, the happy folks? Yeah. Uh, well, they probably won't attack. They want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. When it comes to defense, I think they just want you to be happy. And why are you still attacking them? As far as evasive maneuvers, they'll probably ask to please stop attacking us. They just want things to be nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as any kind of wild card, they maybe actually want to stoke the flames of international conflict between Japan and both North Korea and the People's Republic of China. Oh, no big deal. Okay. Yeah, just, just by the way. Um, so just for some particular How about, yeah, about, how about your guys? About thrillists, uh, definitely the building of extraterrestrial embassies would be something they would use to their advantage. They are very into human cloning, which could help a lot with their numbers as Get well. Get their membership uh, up, some, yeah. per- some particular moves that they w- would help them in particular are uh, Reverse Cowgirl and Italian Chandelier. <laughs> nice. So shall we see how our two... Yes, these two decidedly pretty evenly matched, not in terms of numbers, but in terms of style. Indeed. They've got a lot going for them in the same ways. Finally, who is going to come out of this on top? Oh, it is in fact the Rylists. They're moving on to wow. the semifinals. I cannot believe it. All right, we have one more matchup for the NCAA World Division quarterfinals. Wyatt, right. who are they? We have up next the Cult of the Supreme Being versus the Cult of Reason. These are some self-proclaimed cults. This makes it a little easier for us to call them that. Although if yours is any bit like mine... This is a cult that started in France, and their term cult in French is more so what we would use, perhaps just simply religious organization uh, in, in English. It's not derogatory. Right. Um, and that is uh, an interesting coincidence here because this is a group that started in France and uh, <laughs> is that, yeah. Indeed. In fact, uh, in interviews with the uh, Cult of the Supreme Being earlier, they specifically said that their major rival is, in fact, the Cult of Reason. Would the Cult of the Supreme Being happen to be run by uh, Maximilian Robespierre, by any chance? It would indeed. That It would indeed. Well, these are two pretty, uh, probably, we keep getting even more evenly matched as we go. This is indeed. probably the most evenly matched, in that they are contemporaries coming out of the very same thing. They both come out of the wake of the French Revolution. This is true. The Cult of the Supreme Being... Uh, was established as a form of deism by Maximilien Robespierre during this time, and they believed in the existence of a god and the immortality of the human soul, but wanted these beliefs put to the service of a type of civic-minded public virtue, which uh, Robespierre attributed to the Greeks and Romans. All he felt as essential to a republican society that could have emerged as a new kind of format. Mm. Uh, what about the cult of reason? Uh, the cult of reason became France's first state-sponsored atheistic religion. Hmm. So a pretty different response. The main thing happening here was that in both cases, France was chafing against the idea of the Catholic Church as a major kind mm-hmm. of ruling, mm-hmm. a different form of ruling class. Yes, indeed. So they decided to kind of de-Christianize the entire country and replace that kind of need for a belief with some other stuff. And, and this was one of those things, too. Major philosophical proponents of this included Antoine Francois Mamoreau in Paris. And he insisted that the cult of reason was explicitly anthropocentric. So humans were the most important, mm-hmm. not some other deity. And the goal was to you know make ourselves better through 
uh, attainment of truth and liberty, and the guiding principle was the exercise of reason. They seem like they could have walked hand in hand in some ways, as uh, three major practices of the cult of the supreme being were active fidelity to liberty, mm -hmm. active fidelity to democracy, and holding a festival of the supreme being that took place around a man-made mountain. Well, there's <laughs> only one Just little like, difference. Yes. <laughs> Yet one of the most important aspects of the cult of reason was a lack of worship. Mumro himself specifying that there's one thing that one must not tire telling people. Liberty, reason, truth are only abstract things. They are not gods. For properly speaking, they are part of ourselves. So really encouraging people to celebrate these ideas as ideas mm. that we can personify and not just finding an excuse to worship. I can dig that. Man-made mountains or otherwise. <laughs> Based on those features what what can we expect from the uh, cult of reason uh, the strongest attack is we're not really a religion so you don't have to follow all that dogma anymore here's some secular replacement dogma instead Ooh, it's gonna hit him where uh, it hurts best defense what are you against reason <laughs> and the wild card is threatening to bring back the guillotine i guess or else collapse into a constitutionally absolute monarchy that would eventually um, <laughs> have other problems and i believe in retaliation the uh, cult of the supreme being We'll be using uh, theocratic politics masquerading as proto-neoliberal enlightenment. Oh, good. In defense, they will uh, rely on the fact that they're not actually Christian, so they're kind of cooler than those kids and they know it. <laughs> and as far as evasion, they will claim welfare for the community, uh, really wanting for the society to run well. So they'll fall back on their moral, you know, yeah. goodness. They both have similar, similar goals, similar motivations for doing this stuff, just different approaches. So Indeed. Well, I don't know. I think uh, at least with the cult of the Supreme Being, their major motivation, they told me though, perhaps it's a secret motivation, is the rebirth of the Supreme Being via the reunification of Robespierre's head with his torso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cult of reason want to remove the strict rule of organized religion, but still keep some of that organization with mm. something else, which atheism usually kind of deliberately lacks that organization. Yeah. So They love religion, they just hate spirituality. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so the goal here was to bring France into a new age of secular harmony and prosperity, mm. but since this is a competition against other cults, let's say that they also want to redeem this idea of theirs that didn't really work out and build France up into a superpower, kind of like they would try a few years later with Napoleon. Vive la République! Now... Am I complaining a couple of entirely different parts of French history just for the sake of this silly thing? Yes. Uh, does it matter in the <laughs> oh, context maybe. of the bullshit we're doing now? I don't think so. Does. <laughs> Should we see who wins in this matchup yes. of the... Let, uh, us, let us determine the winner. All righty. Oh. Cult of the Supreme Being came out on top. Cult of the Supreme Being did come out on top. Seems pretty supreme. They will go up against the Royals. And that sorts it for the World Division quarterfinals. We'll next move on to the quarterfinals for the Global Division. But first, that uh, that coin's been calling me, Wyatt. Oh boy. You want to flip it for me and I'll get on a wheel? Sounds good to me. All right. All right. This is a segment of Shadowlands Roulette. So, oh, nice. I just feel I was, you know, feeling pretty intense with all the excitement of the tournament and stuff, and now I'm just feeling, feeling just kind of at, at ease, ease. And, exactly. and also a little scared. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Shadowlands Roulette <laughs> is um, a game we play sometimes. It refers to an ancient website called theshadowlands.net. That's right. It's a uh, 
page back from I think about 1994. I think that's uh, right. Yeah, that hosts a series of tales from around the globe and from around the United States. Yeah, um, hauntings these, these are weird spooky occurrences. occurrences, hauntings exactly. And uh, we have two mass. If you're unfamiliar with this setup, we have it's uh, we have a coin, a cursed coin. We flip to determine which of these two wheels we spin. The wheels are kind of like you know, like Price is Right showcase showdown wheels. You but made imagine. of bones and metal and flesh and sort of Something like... Something like that, yeah. I it's never strange. Really I don't know how to were, exactly tell. I go kind uh, of blind to it when I'm on them. Yeah, it's easier to just kind of not think about it too much. But we flip the coin, we determine which wheel to spin... So and then, in this case, I'll flip the coin. You'll spin the wheel. Exactly. It determines we which seal uh, the fate, or I guess just determine which wheel for the other person. Yeah. Um, and then the person who spins the wheel, the wheel itself will we either uh, one of us flips, uh, flips the coin, which determines whether we spin the wheel of states or the, the wheel dreaded of wheel other of states or the uh, repulsive wheel of other countries. And then the uh, other, so whoever doesn't flip the coin <laughs> but instead spins the wheel does that. And they read an account from the place that is selected by the wheel itself. I think we're caught up on what. what that should be is. crystal clear now for the audience. I'm and I flip the coin now. <laughs> you flip the coin. Partly because it's been climbing onto my lap while we've been talking. It's getting impatient, I think. It's gotten back into its non rigid form where it seems more <laughs> just like a floppy frisbee disc. You know how when you get an x ray of the dentist, that kind of heavy weight apron they put over you, the lead apron? The lead apron to protect you from like cancer? It feels like that except throbbing. So I'm gonna eager to flip this off me. All right, give it All right, a here flip. Here we go. Ah, oh, it landed over there. What did, what did we get? It's the uh, oh, the dreaded wheel of states. Oh boy. All right. Well, take my mic. I got your mic, so you can climb right, up there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, All right. Oh. You need a leg up? Are you good? I think I'm good. It's, it feels like the wheel has grown. I think it. It always kind of seems that way. I don't know. All right, here we go. All right. Very good spin, very good spin. Let's see where it goes. See where it's going to land. It's going to land on Ooh, Illinois. Illinois. Land of Lincoln. Land of Lincoln. I will now go to Illinois and just scroll around like a crazy son of a bitch. There are a ton of entries at Illinois. Oh, my goodness. Illinois is quite haunted, I guess. All, um, all of these are just ghost accounts of Lincoln, just running around haunting everybody. I will do one from Milan. Milan. Milan Manor Apartment Woods. In 1986, a young boy was ran over and killed by a tractor plow. The farmer who was driving the plow reported seeing another boy. The farmer stated the only description he could give of the second boy was, he was wearing a red t-shirt, blue jeans, and had dark brown hair and was around the age of eight. When the neighbors of the deceased boy who resided at Milan Manor Apartments were questioned, they reported seeing him last with a young unknown boy fitting the farmer's description. There were no reports of the boy in the red t-shirt being seen until 1989. There have been numerous reports of two boys playing in the woods together around dusk. Upon hearing the story, a couple of explorers decided to check it out. Explorers? They took a trip to Milan Manor. Khaki kind of, um, I don't know, general Pants? safari. <laughs> khaki safari wear. Khaki, yeah, exactly. Everything is <laughs> not khaki. Just, yeah, not just like, you know, office wear. <laughs> exactly. Slacks. Or chinos. Yeah. Uh, 
They took a trip to Milan Manor Apartments, parked in the parking lot, found a trail that led into the woods located past the cul-de-sac, parentheses, circle. <laughs> they followed the winding trail to a little stream, crossed the stream walking over a piece of lumber, took the path leading to the right, then they came to a fork in the path. This is very specific. And decided to take the left path up a hill. After we reached the top of the hill, we okay. stopped to catch <laughs> their breath before continuing. <laughs> they caught someone else's breath? I never thought That's it could happen. As they caught their breath, they saw two little boys, one of which was wearing a red t-shirt, running into the cornfield as they entered the cornfield. They vanished. Unable to believe what they had just seen, they walked toward the cornfield and was unable to find even a footprint, but could still hear the laughter of the boys. That was a truly chilling tale, Wyatt. Uh, frightening. The wow. dissociative moments towards the end really freaked me out. <laughs> me too. For different reasons than usual, but yes. <laughs> All um, right. So well, I think we can put a little pause on on. This we will return. Now. We can return to Shadowlands Roulette. So. Uh, that was a great break. We can now dive into the NCAA Global Division. With the first of the four matchups, the people of the Chive and Stalinists. A very worthy matchup if ever I heard one. Indeed. Jake, would you like to kick us off with a description of the people of the Chive? <sighs> I guess so. Uh, formed in November 2008 by brothers John and Leah Rezik as a men's content aggregator so bros can just bro out, you know? I'll just go through some details about it. It exists for the purpose of, I guess, just posting, like, fail videos, viral shit, and scantily clad women. It also manages to be about as impenetrable as E-Bomb's world of old. Oh, God. So the amount of ads and the layer of removal from the original video sources <laughs> that kind of creates it so that the quality gets, get, keeps getting kind of uh, knocked down Reduced further and further. forever. Yes, it is very much just a kind of meme place for dudes. Gross. I guess in a similar way, <laughs> Stalinists <laughs> uh, sort of worshipped the ultimate dude in their eyes, Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. Uh, originating in Soviet Russia around the mid-1930s, Stalinists constantly praised the one and only J.S., describing him as great, beloved, bold, wise, inspirer, and... Has a mustache. Has mustache. <laughs> he was the big, beloved daddy of the people. And uh, basically three major pastimes for the Stalinists were production of hymns, poetry, and music to Stalin, production of films, paintings, and sculptures to Stalin. Wow. And, of course, Stalin. So, in both cases, these are kind of content... Uh, Content-driven. Yes. Uh, so I can see a lot of similarities there. Reducto ad absurdum style. <laughs> um, so, we know that they're called Stalinists. Uh, members, in general, I think are called Chive Nation. Uh, female members are, I think, called Chivettes. I'm not really sure if male members speci uh, have a specific name of their own. I believe own. it's Shivitz. Shivitz. <laughs> and... Uh, and I just can't imagine that they're inclusive in any way towards non-binary folks as far as having a separate label there. So, yeah. Indeed. Um, the Chive gets over 18 million visitors and over 100 million page views per month. So, membership seems to be pretty oh, goddamn high. God. That yes. bumped me up. Um, I had it originally written, unfortunately, in front of that whole sentence. Yes. We want to maintain some <laughs> semblance of per pretend objectivity in this. Which we've already lost just now. That's fine. And, uh, yeah, as far as uh, Stalinists, it was most of Soviet Russia. Great. <laughs> However many people were there. Bunch. 
so what would uh what would these chivets and shivsters do when it came to uh fighting stalinists well either keeping calm and chiving on would be one of their main moves naturally which actually is kind of apropos given the kind of proximity to world war ii uh <laughs> yes but uh otherwise i guess creating some sort of viral prank would be their main move oh that's a pretty tough one yeah all right well i think uh stalinists will face that with fervent devotion join or get teased until dead and if you attack one of them you attack all of them because they are the people oh boy uh and also is not to be fucked with indeed uh, as they will chant i'm sure within the machine uh there is no i in share awesome it seems a little bit better than uh the chant of the shy of people but yeah um the main motivation here i i think would be to be the totally sickest thing out there dude similarly um stalinists <laughs> still think stalin is the best and always will be the best and would appreciate your validation on this bro awesome <laughs> so shall we see Let's who see. emerges Ooh. supreme <laughs> the people of the shive oh god Christ. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, the, they uh, advance despite all odds. The NCAA machine has spoken. And the people of the chive, God forbid they win this. <laughs> no offense, but also. Any offense possible. Every offense. Time. Yes. So let's move right along. Yeah, quickly. Get that taste out of my mouth. Uh, um, Next, we have the Branch Davidians versus the Unification Church. Yeah, hit me up with some some info about the Unification Church. I will. Unification Church was originally founded in 1954 under the name Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity in Seoul, South Korea, by Sin Myung Moon. For that name, they're often referred to as Moonies. Uh-huh. Um, their symbol makes me wonder. Mm, looks like some titty-having-hard-headed yeah. monster. It's seen that way. <laughs> You'll see it on the brackets. Yep. And um, <laughs> they are essentially Christian in their beliefs, but diverge from that system on a number of counts. Central to unification teachings is the concept that fallen humanity can be restored to God only through a Messiah who comes as a new Adam to become the new head of the human race, replacing the sinful parents through whom mankind can be reborn into God's family. According to the religion, Jesus is this Messiah, but his premature execution namely before he could start a family, meant mm. that his messianic role as the head of a sinless new humanity was passed on naturally to Moon. Ah, makes Bow. sense. How about... It. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the sustained eye contact that, that happened. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> How about the uh, Branch Davidians? There is too much to say about the Branch Davidians. I will try and get to just the kind of main points because there's yeah, give me the- a lot. Give me the pith uh, of that branch. The quote-unquote real group was formed in 1935 when Victor uh, Hutef, I'm not really sure how you say his name. He's the boy from, from the Shepherd's Rod, I believe. Bul- okay, yeah, from Bulgaria. Uh, he created the Davidians. Um, he was Seventh-day Adventist and then broke up when he wanted to reform. Yep. They're like, no, you're out. Made a headquarters in Waco, Texas. And uh, yeah, that name, that doesn't sound familiar to anyone out there, right? No. Yeah, right. Younger listeners probably won't be familiar with this, with, uh, but uh, folks who are maybe, I don't know. At least 29-ish? Yeah, I mean. And oh, older? Actually, even a little bit younger, I think. It could, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, uh, in 1942, he renamed the group to the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. After he died in 55, um, those loyal to him continued as the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, led by his wife, Florence. Florence predicted the very immediate apocalypse, like you do, 
she and uh, her council gathered hundreds of faithful followers together at their Mount Carmel Center near Waco in 1959 for the fulfillment of this apocalypse. Didn't happen. Folks were disappointed. Benjamin Roden, then kind of uh, one of the followers, decided to form his own branch, the like Branch Davidians. There it is. Thinking, oh, I think I actually know how this is going to go. Huh. Along with his wife, Lois. Uh, he died in 78. Lois took over. They had a son named George. But also ha- uh, she also had an Costanza. affair. Yes. <laughs> also had an affair with one Vernon Howell. This is where the main story gets going. So mm. Howell was in his 20s and Lois was in her 60s. Howell wanted to have a child with her that he could uh, that could become the chosen one. This, this is so crazy. These similarities are bonkers. Yeah, this didn't happen, and then later she died, and she did have the son, George, like I said, um, and George and Howell really butted heads about who should be in charge of the order. Right, right. Um, flash forward hard to February 28, 1993. Howell has become the spiritual leader of the Branch Davidians, changed his name to David Koresh. He has brainwashed all the followers into letting him impregnate every woman in the group. And also he is ma- please, educated. Yes, educated. Yes. Uh, and he's maybe abused the children, too. It's not totally clear. Ugh. Pretty awful. Uh, based on reports of the latter, plus reports of illegal firearm usage, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms tried to search the compound on a warrant, but instead a siege ensues. Whew. A huge firefight breaks out. Koresh gets gut shot. Four HDF agents are killed and 16 wounded, and four Branch Davidians are also killed. It's finally a ceasefire. Koresh starts talking on the radio. Tempted negotiations to release everybody, go on for a while, or at least the children. Just let the children go. Keeps going on until April 19th when the FBI decides to launch an assault to rescue the hostages. Holy moly. Children. Very, very long story short. Uh, attempts at gassing the Branch Davidians to get them to leave the compound. Failed horribly. Everyone inside either refused to leave or prevented each other from exiting. Like oh people God. who wanted to leave. And then suddenly the whole compound erupted in flame and came down. Oh, um, God. Based on recordings from like bugs planted inside from the FBI, you can hear different people saying things suggesting that they lit the fire themselves in at least three different locations at once Whoa. Um, using some kind of like possibly gasoline and they took the place down. So I'll leave it there. I can talk about their numbers afterward based on that. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that is a very long description of a very, a much longer, more complicated, pretty crazy uh, event. That is bonkers. Yes. Nothing nearly as catastrophic among the Moonies. They basically have three major things they like to do. One is indemnity, which is a process by which human beings and the world are restored to God's ideal. Basically, you have to make your shittiness right in the eyes of God through good deeds and probably money. They love to have wedding matchings and blessings. Mr. Moon himself was known to match couples for marriage and would preside over massive marriage vow blessing and renewal ceremonies. He once matched 2,500 Korean and 2,500 Japanese members in an incredible, insane... uh, beautiful (laughs) wedding ceremony thing and in 1992 he mass blessed the weddings of 30,000 couples in Seoul jeez and finally they love to attempt to unify religion with science alright quote religion and science each in their own spheres have been the methods of searching for truth in order to conquer ignorance and attain knowledge eventually the way of religion and the way of science should be integrated and their problems resolved in one united undertaking the two aspects of truth internal and external should develop in full consonance unquote as we all know the only thing that is as sufficiently true and testable as objective observable fact is internal subjective religious belief there you go believe it or not mooney's held conferences to this end and even landed Nobel laureates as speakers. Damn. But yes, you were about to tell me about the numbers of remaining 
uh, Branch Davidians. Yeah, they're never a ton. I mean, they're um, like starting from way back as the the group changed farms over time. Like the it kind of shrunk and stuff too. I don't know exactly how many total there were at this point in time. I would guess a little less than a hundred after the first shootout. I think around a dozen or so were ordered out by Koresh to just leave, and then they were arrested. I think at the time of when like the second uh, siege, when things really really went down. Um, there were 85 Branch Davidians inside the compound, of which 76 died day of. Yowza. Um, a federal grand jury indicted 12 of the surviving Branch Davidians, charging them with aiding and abetting and murder of several uh, federal officers and unlawful possession and use of various firearms. So there were more than 85 total anyway. Damn. I think as of as of 2007, uh, all the ones who were put in jail are now out. Oh, how about that? Um, and the, of course, oh, died in in the uh, whole thing too. The whole shootout. Specify that he's not one of the ones who survived. Uh, he was shot in before the whole place burned down. The tum tum. Um, well, he he survived the gut shot okay. for a few months, and then the final showdown, someone shot him in the head. I think. I think it was one oh. of his own. Uh, might have been its brother who or something. I'm not totally sure. It's unclear exactly who it might have been. There was a ton of death by friendly fire, including a lot of the children. Not a good cult uh, member. No. Uh, there are about one to two million members in the Mooney group from all around the world. In fact, where I went to school in upstate New York uh, for undergrad uh, was near a Mooney compound. I did not realize that. Yes. So as an attack, they will allow a mass blessed hetero only married couple stampede to <laughs> overrun their enemies. <laughs> as a defensive maneuver, they will claim everything is done in the name of love and spiritual growth. Great. To avoid attacks, they will be largely successful in integrating with mainstream culture and media. And as a wild card, they can utilize many societal forms and functions to accomplish goals despite being a cult. <laughs> Stuff for the Branch Davidians. Uh, their best attack? So many guns. Holy shit. The guns. <laughs> they can just shoot so <laughs> much. So much. Um, best defense? Siege warfare. Um, they can hold out for at least several months they know what they're doing and uh kill fbi people and stuff in the process like mm -hmm. it's rough um as far as wild card or anything like that let me refer you again to the guns <laughs> so let's see what happens yes in the final pair off they are going into the chamber what is going to happen did anything happen branch davidians the branch davidians win well that's unfortunate but i guess not really that on yes uh, this is going to surprising. be power of gunfire unfortunately yes well well there uh, it is let's yeah. jump right into match number three absolutely this fiat is... lux versus nibiru cataclysmists absolutely this should be a very spicy match i do believe it will these guys are located primarily in the black forest of germany fiat lux which is latin for let there be light was founded in 1980 by swiss-born erica hedwig birchinger eike who adopted the name uriella the group, believe, the group believes <laughs> the group believes Uriella to be able to receive messages from Jesus Christ, as well as Mary, the mother of the Jesus. They also happen to believe the apocalypse is coming and that alien ships will arrive to evacuate their members prior to the transformation of Earth into a new paradise world called Amora. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about you guys? Uh, it's another doomsday cult, too. So we've got this funeral row. All right. Unlike the Branch Davidians, this is not a murderous doomsday cult. It's a little more in line with yours. Um, we're calling them the Nibiru Cataclysmists since they don't really have an official name beyond just being believers in the Nibiru Cataclysm. In 1995... Self-described alien contactee Nancy Leader 
first proposed the idea that a huge rogue planet hiding on the outside of our solar system occasionally passes very close to Earth on its highly elliptical orbit, I think every 3,600 years or so. Mm. Uh, and next time, its gravity will fuck up our magnetosphere, dislodging the Earth's crust and then making everyone and everything die. Uh, so think melancholia but less collisiony and way less insufferable <laughs> uh, leader has the ability to receive messages through an implant in her brain from aliens in the zeta reticuli star system on her website zeta talk she stated that she was chosen to warn mankind of an impending planetary collision which would wipe out humanity in may 2003 when that didn't happen it became more mind calendar 2012 and then a secret so that you know, global governments can't declare martial law around the time that it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Now we don't know exactly when, hmm. unless you remember. Oh yes, naturally. How would you? What, what are some of the things that describe these Nibiru dudes? Mostly just conspiracy theorists who are into UFO stuff and believing that you know people are hiding stuff, distrust of authority, especially NASA. Um, oh, that they're trying to helpful. pretend that there's no. Uh, they're covering up. Covering the up existence this, of Nibiru naturally. Right, exactly. Well, the. Uh, Fiat Lux folks, pretty pretty delightful. They basically have scheduled prayer to, I guess, aliens and God. They wear white ceremonial robes all the time, and they have a strict vegetarian diet. Alrighty, not bad. How many uh, Nibiru folk are out there? Do you have an estimate? Hard to say for sure. David Morrison, who's planetary astronomer at NASA Ames Research Center and senior scientist at the NASA Astrobiology Institute. Uh, estimates that there are over 2 million websites devoted to talking Holy about the Nibiru Earth collision. Oh, my God. He receives about five emails a day of people asking about Nibiru. Whew. So, based on that, probably a lot. Not really clear the number. We have very few of the Fiat Lux, which are kind of unfortunate, because there's just about 3,000 made up of an inner circle of 135 members, another 800 dedicated followers, and then 2,000 barely mentionable sympathizers. <laughs> so we could just like, keep on pushing through. <laughs> <laughs> so should we run through what uh, yeah. what different kind of skills and or attacks or whatever they bring to this fight between the two of them? Very briefly, I think the Fiat Lux folks would cry out Fiat Lux in being attacked. Folks would have to get through two thousand sympathizers, followed by the dedicated <laughs> followers, before the three hundred one hundred thirty five inner circle members. And only then would they eventually be able to fight an 86-year-old woman who may or may not be both semi-paralyzed and also talking to Jesus <laughs> and Mary, mother of the Jesus. All right. That seems like a pretty... Uh, they have sort of the... Uh, pretty complicated yeah. attack formation. Exactly. With the believers in the Nibiru Cataclysm, their strongest attack would, I guess, just be letting us all die if we don't join them <laughs> uh, when Nibiru does actually come by. The best defense would be, I guess, smugness in knowing the secret truth of how things really work and how we're all <laughs> going to die. Another secret truth of Zeta as well. There's a bunch that actually listed on the website of different things that have been revealed to be true. My goodness. Um, and the wildcard thing, the website does actually lay out specific safe sites on the planet for when shit goes down. So that's mm-hmm. a kind of neat thing they have going for them. It's like, oh, they know the right places to go that are safe for when, when, um, when Nibiru comes by. I don't see how there could be one, but that's fair. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, neither does anyone in NASA. So what happens when these two particular groups face off? They're going into the chamber now. Anything could be happening, may have been happening for the past up to 10,000 years. <laughs> what is the result? It is. Oh. Nibiru. Nibiru Cataclysmists oh, pull through. We have one final pairing for the quarterfinals in the global division. And that is the uh, Discordians versus the Lululemoneers. <laughs> Uh, do you want me to lead in with the Discordians? Yes, please. Tell Alrighty. me a bit about those boys. 
Discordianism is based on the book Principia Discordia, written by Greg Hill and Carrie Wendell Thornley in 1963, under the pseudonyms uh, Malaclip the Younger and Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst. Okay. So taken literally, the practice encourages the worship of the Greek goddess of strife and chaos, Eris, or the Roman goddess Discordia, hence the name of the group, mm-hmm. uh, and, and embracing the notions of order and chaos and the idea that both are illusions. Huh. Discordianism can also serve as a metaphor for the ideas and philosophies of religion, wherein everything is known to be untrue, but the guiding principles can be useful anyway. So it's like creative nihilism. Pretty much. Or in its own way, it's kind of like a super pretentious, way less fun version of Bokanonism. Cat's <laughs> uh, Cradle was published the same year as Principia Discordia. Oh, so shit, it's, uh, that's crazy. kind of funny that they have similar religious things going on, except Bokanonism is more fun, and it's Calypso music involved. Ooh, so. I like that. Lululemoniers, uh, founded in Canada by Chip Wilson in 1998, <laughs> so simply a year before a certain movie would come out. Lululemon <laughs> is a self-described yoga-inspired athletic clothing company that makes a variety of types of athletic wear, established and marketed via a tone of wellness, empowerment, and happiness among their employees and customers. Like the time when he said that if people showed up naked to Lululemon, they would get a free outfit from Lululemon? Something along these lines. Cool, yes, yeah. you're 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 cutting to the chase somewhat. <laughs> I'll I'll just jump right into some of their Sorry, major practices. To... No, 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 that's fine. Um, they refer to their sales team as educators who aren't selling anything, but instead educating people on the technical features and functions of their garments. Mm. They co-opt and bastardize yoga, <laughs> yoga <laughs> practices. Uh, for well, example, like anyone practicing yoga in America, oh, pretty much. They are the kerosene to that fire. White um, people. <laughs> One example of this, uh, the employee regulations are detailed in a book called Pramana, which roughly translates to knowledge in Sanskrit. And finally, and perhaps most endearingly, employees are given constant feedback and coaching through a process of scrutinization. For example, (laughs) if in a bad mood, you must just do a clearing, which basically involves someone telling you to get over what's over what's getting you down well that sounds like a good time i think uh some <laughs> some major practices in discordianism discordianism uh okay. i mentioned the core tenets of order chaos and the meaning the meaninglessness of each uh, there's also operation mindfuck which consists mostly of a series <laughs> of missions to do low-key versions of the kind of silly bullshit anonymous might do uh, among right. these is one that stuck out to me it's called project jake <laughs> in which a politician who has done something especially stupid is chosen by all cabals of discordianism to be reached out to on official cabal letterhead and like sort of asked for a favor or something in a prank kind of way okay i don't know it all sounds like the kind of thing that would make the doers chuckle to themselves and everyone else just go wait what, what? <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah that's kind of some of the stuff they do that's cool i i like these guys very much already i have to say um <laughs> Lululemoniers, they were, or I should say Chip was telling me earlier, that uh, they plan to attack by basically criticizing, belittling, and otherwise diminishing anyone's self-worth unless they do exactly as Chip wants of them. Great. Um, and as a defense, they will insist that they care about you and want the best for you. <laughs> and as uh, an evasive maneuver, they will maintain a facade of being a community slash business focused on mindfulness, wellness, and acceptance, but their wild card is that they're actually just pure evil. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea how many of them there are? No. Cool. Not sure. All right. It's also damn near impossible to estimate the number of Discordians because they aren't required to hold Discordianism as their only belief system, and because by nature of the beliefs themselves, 
there's an encouragement to form schisms and stuff and just branch off and make it as complicated as possible. <laughs> uh, also, it's even more impossible to know who, if anyone, is truly a Discordian and who just says they are jokingly and whether there is actually a difference. That is amazing. It's, it's there's pure so madness. so many layers of irony. Indeed. That it comes out the other side looking like I don't even know what. They kind of got the jump on the meme community in a way. A little bit, yeah. The strongest attack is, oh, you thought I was serious? And the best defense is, oh, you thought I was serious? And the wild card is, no, actually, I am serious. But not really. But seriously. I love it. So, Uh, yeah. I really hope they win this round. Um, Let's see what happens. Let us uh, crank up the machine, fire up those. R2, fire up the converters. And uh, let's see what comes out of this victorious. It is... Oh, by landslide, Discordianism. Discordianism destroys the little oh, I was so satisfied by this. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. Well, that concludes the quarterfinals of the Global Division. We made it, everybody. We did. We're ready for the semifinals. They're quicker. Don't worry. Do we want to take a quick break again? Yes, I do believe it is time for the second round of of Shadowlands Roulette. We know how it works now, I think. I mean, you and I theoretically have some understanding of how this works now, I hope, anyway. Oh, we absolutely Um, do. And the listeners might do, too. It's now my turn, I guess. Yeah, allow me to flip this coin. Yeah, go for it. All right, so here we go. Jake, I'll need you to see it because I'm going to have to heave this as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, it seems to be kind of... You know, like, when you go into one of those big, like, swimming sort of touch tank areas with the large stingrays that want to just kind of get all up on you? Yes, yes, exactly. That's been happening for a while with the coin, I think. I do feel kind of like a pinching or stabbing coming out of the bottom of the coin on my skin. Oh, no. (laughs) Did you feel that, or was that... I didn't. I thought, well, I don't... I do see that I've lost a lot of blood, but maybe that's... That could be totally irrelevant. (laughs) I don't know. Well, here we go. Uh, Let me sure. flip it so in and get it out of my hands. All right, and it's landed on the dreaded wheel of states oh once boy. again. It's well, my Jake, turn to up there. So let me give, give me that you. mic. Yep. I have both of the mics now. You sure do. So I'm going to climb up here again. It's uh, Do you ever feel like it sounds like it's kind of sighing into your ears when you're climbing on it? Oh, every time. Okay, cool. Let's just, all right, let me get up and... Yeah. Oh, that's a good spin. Right. There's that. Okay, and it's going, it's, it's going, going it's and going. it is on Vermont. Ooh, apropos. Vermont. Apropos of what? Of your college times. That's true. Yeah, I went there. Uh, Vermont. So I'm going to go to the Vermont page, and Vermont. I'm going to zoom around until I find a good stored land on... I guess it doesn't go that far. It has to be random. Yeah, uh, Stowe, Emily's Bridge. I've heard of this one, actually. Oh, have you read this one in the past? I've not read this one. I knew this from when I went to college. There, oh, as you spooky. Out. In the 19th century, a girl was going to elope with the man of her dreams, even though her parents disliked the man entirely. He told her to meet him at the covered bridge nearest to their homes the next day at noon. She got there. No one was there. She waited for hours, and he never showed. She was so desperate for his love, she committed suicide. Ooh. This is before texting, I guess, so there was no way to see if, like, you know, he was running and late. And before patience? I, apparently. Now, if you go there at night and drive your car, she will sometimes call out for help and Yikes. scratch your vehicle or do something to it as you go through. <laughs> Doesn't matter what. Uh, she'll TP <laughs> it sometimes. Something to it. Yeah. Uh, also sometimes you she'll can fix it up. <laughs> yeah. Also, you can see a whitish glowing figure walk up and down the bridge. Another version is, a woman died, probably by her own <laughs> hands, 
and haunts her bridge. She died in the 1800s, and people and cars and horses have from time to time gotten scratches on them from unseen nails. Ooh. Also, lights and noises can be heard. Oh, they finished it in such a frightening fashion. <laughs> they sure did. But um, tagging on to st- other stuff, too. Also, this <laughs> detail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was truly a wonderful round of Shadowlands, Shadowlands Roulette. Roulette. Another version of that story I'd heard was that if you park your car there and wait, kind of like a lot of the different bridge stories, then um, she'll like mm-hmm. fog up the windows will fog up on the outside and you see handprints or Ooh. something. That one's even but creepier, actually. I, yeah, I like that version better than that. But then again, who are we to argue with the wisdom of the story? The Shadowlands. Shadowlands. Yeah. I know. So we are now ready for the semifinals, starting tension with tension is mounting. Oh, tent. It's yeah. It's it's ready to. Fuck. <laughs> The tension, tension is is fit to bust. Uh, so the semifinals for the World Division begins with a match of the Order of the Solar Temple against the Shepherd's Rod. Now, these are two cults that I interviewed earlier. Do you have any more information you want to share about these particular cults, Wyatt? Yeah, sure. I could add a few more things. So Shepherd's Rod, I think I've already mentioned their motivation. So if this team wins the championship today, right? do you want to join them? I'd say probably not. As you already covered, the Shepherd's Rod is sort of part of the Branch Davidians, and uh, Waco was a PR nightmare. So I say <laughs> no. If they win, I'd rather not join. Sounds good to me. All right. How about Order of the Solar Temple? Did you say Order that? of the Solar Temple. I mentioned earlier that they are getting a Templar artifact given to the founder of the Order of the Solar Temple, D. Mambro. Um, the Master Sword from the Temple of Time, right? Indeed. It was, it was given to him a thousand years ago in a previous life. So oh, jeez. It's quite a powerful artifact. I'm interested to see how they use it. But as far as joining that cult, I'd say no. Uh, while the thought of wielding a really old sword is appealing, uh, I don't want to have to fire my soul up to Sirius by any means necessary. Yeah, I mean, there are a few means I'd be okay with, but all of them, I don't know. So... We, uh, well, I guess we're ready to see how these two uh, let's previous pop them into the machine happen. Yeah, so let's just cram both in there, set it for uh, semifinals. Let's set it up to 100. Yeah, semifinals setting is actually 100,000 years. Okay, so let's turn that on, and it is the Shepherd's Rod. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm glad to see the Order of the Solar Temple kicked out. Right, the next pairing in the semifinals of the World Division is Rhyalism versus the Cult of the Supreme Being. All right. Jake, do you think we should join the Rhyalists if uh, if they take it to the end? Well, they um, so they believe that their genetic information is recorded by a remote computer and will become recognized during their final hour when they will be judged by the extraterrestrial Elohim. So that's neat. If they win, <laughs> uh, joining would mean a lot of freedom to do a lot of normal stuff that other cults maybe wouldn't be so into. As far as you know, it's kind of a more liberated, more progressive series of beliefs. Yeah, um, sure. Plus embracing a number of pretty just good values overall, which mm-hmm. is better than can be said for other groups. But uh, they are also um, believers in intelligent design, which would be tricky for you and I as evolutionary biologists. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little on the fence there. I guess I'd lean towards yes, but I'm not so sure. Similarly, for the cult of the supreme being, I'd say if we have no better choice, we could join them. They're not bad guys. And uh, Robespierre was buddy-buddy with other theophilanthropists like Thomas Paine and Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Mm-hmm. But uh, Robespierre does sound like he was a dick and will likely be a bad boss, so they're still better than Catholicism. <laughs> Alrighty, now let's put them in for, was it 10,000 or 100,000 years? 100,000 years. Put them in for 100,000 years, 
set it to spin cycle and Rail. Rialism. All right. And moving on to the finals. Keeping it rial. All right. All right. We are now on to the global division. People of the Chive versus Branch Davidians. Jake, you have to describe everything left. That's good to me. All right. It is absolutely everything. <laughs> Luckily, I have some stuff for all of these. So, yep. People of the Chive. An interesting fact about them, they do have some charities, so it manages to perhaps rise above the level of barstool sports. Ugh. So that's a low bar to uh, a low bar stool. A low stool. bar stool, if you will, yes. <laughs> to rise to, they really but, uh, put the stool in bar stool. <laughs> they sure do. Um, should we join? No. Yeah, uh, fair. Branch- Nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> Branch Davidians. Any more fun facts about them? Anything that can be considered fun at all about them? No. Yeah, fair. Should we join them? No. No. So this so, is a hundred thousand years. Maybe of set them for a million. Maybe, yeah, let's put them in for a million. Oh, oh, the Branch, Branch Davidians. Who I would not want to see win, but at the same time, I, I don't really want... I hover in dread that they will. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, Although anyway. it's kind of beautiful that they are now going to face off against Shepherd's Rod, which they broke away from That's true. all those years ago. This is kind of a yeah. very high level of uh, tension. Absolutely. So the very Finally. final matchup of the semifinals is Nibiru, Nibiru Cataclysmus versus Discordianism. Nibiru Cataclysmists originally believed that it was uh, the bringer of doom would be called Planet X, mm-hmm. um, but later decided to connect it to this book by a guy named Zakaria Stitchin uh, from 1976. It's called The Twelfth Planet. According to him, the ancient Sumerians wrote about a giant planet called Nibiru, the twelfth planet in the solar system, which is including all nine planets plus the sun and the moon and then also this other planet. Um, it was in an oblong orbit, swings by Earth every 3,600 years. Humans actually evolved there. And then oh. hopped onto Earth the last flyby. <laughs> um, That's a big jump. Yeah, and not that long ago either. Um, historians and language scholars say that Sitchin grossly mistranslated ancient texts. Sumerians did believe in cosmology involving planets, but they did not think there were. They thought there were only five. That's mm-hmm. all you could see. They didn't have telescopes. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't think there were twelve. And they did not believe that humans hopped to Earth from a place called Nibiru. Uh, furthermore, <laughs> mm-hmm. astronomers pointed out that a planetary orbit like the one Sitchin proposed for Nibiru is impossible. No celestial body, especially being as massive as it's supposed to be, could maintain a stable orbit with that kind of degree of eccentricity oh, to it. Oh, naturally. It would just either get launched into space or sucked into the sun. But should we join them is the question. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's what I have written. I forgot. <laughs> And, um, How about Discordianism? <laughs> Discordianism. Other aspects of Operation Mindfuck sound a whole lot more like a toned-down ideas from Project Mayhem, mm-hmm. but without quite the same mindless obedience. It's a little more just like kind of planned out and just orderly and not so, you know, brainwashed sounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also lacks anyone being named Robert Paulson. Mm-hmm. Should we join? Yes, but ironically, but also with some plausible deniability, but also not, and also we shouldn't, but we should say that we mean to, but never make it clear which camp we f- truly fall into. I think that'll satisfy anybody involved. Nailed it. Yeah, okay. So, these can go in for the kind of requisite 100,000 years. Yes, be sure to type that into <laughs> the machine. we got to make sure it's set just right yes. for this to all be fair and balanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the winners are... Ooh, Nibiru. Sorry right. to see Discordianism go. They're probably fine with it. I mean, yeah, they win no matter what. Like, whatever, we didn't even want to play anyway. 
It's fun. At, f- at long last, we have arrived at the finals, which involve four teams. <laughs> because this is the NC Triple A, and this is just how we do things here. It was not an accident. We knew what we were doing when we set this up. We this didn't is how hurriedly to work. set this up over the course of two days. No. This has been planned for the last two years. It's in fact chiseled in stone. Over the last two years. By blood, sweat, and tears. And we're now going really hard to find to out. <laughs> yes. We will now find out. Who wins? Is it the Shepherd's Rod? The similar but more violent and horrible Branch Davidians. Is it the kind of sex-loving, peace-and-good-times Rylists. Who also want aliens. Who, yeah, aliens, or separate alien believers, uh, the Nibiru Cataclysmists. Who expect the world to explode. Yes. Let us discover by... Putting them in for a hundred billion years. Oh, oh my god. I will now unlock a special part of the contraption. Oh, that, I didn't even see that compartment before. That so allows for the hundred billion year setting. All right, so they, I guess because they are dying and reliving again, they will not be evolving into new creatures or anything weird like that. We right. can expect it to work out just fine. Are we ready for this, Wyatt? I think we are. Here it is, the moment we've all been waiting for. The winners of the NCAA Championship Cult Thing are... Rylists! Alright! Rylism takes it! I will say, of the four options we had, this is probably the one I am the most it's okay the one with joining. And I think we into. should join, and we have joined, and we're we part of We are now Rylists. And it's Rylists. Long live Rylists. <laughs> Whatever the hell <laughs> they might have as a battle cry kind of thing. Let's go promote sex positivity. Yes, and also and alien stuff. Oh, human cloning is a big one to be in favor of. Hey, um, science. And occasionally just deliberately making things controversial. What do you think of it? Rylists. Wow, what an awesome competition. That was really something. Great to see some of these you know, these fresh young faces out there really putting in their all into these competitions. Uh, and I look forward to seeing some of these are definitely going to go on to bigger and better things. They're going to probably be going pro in the future. Oh, I believe so. I, I think we can fully expect some of these guys to show up at the WCW, which is... The World, World Championship, Championship Cult Whoop-Off, Whoop which of course is much higher stakes, has much higher caliber cults, and, and you can uh, expect to see some pretty intense competition there. Yes, indeed. In the future. Until then, we want to thank our sponsor, our, our own, own Patreon, Patreon. Uh, which of course hasn't launched till you're hearing this, so is helping us not much. But when you uh, check it out, you'll see we have some really cool exclusive audio content for you if you uh, support us. We Indeed. also have, oh, we're going to have some pretty neat actual physical stuff as well. Some Most stickers. Um, swag will be in the bag. Swag, and you can check it out, see what kind of stuff um, you can be helping us do. We have a ton of goals planned for the show. We'd really love to get there. We have a whole trajectory of how this will become just a beautiful, wonderful thing. Above and beyond what it already has. We're just really excited about it. Patreon.com slash super duper stitious. It's good times. And um, yeah, next week we'll be back to our regular fair. Probably be about an hour. <laughs> instead of 400 hours long <laughs> but uh hope you guys enjoyed we had a lot of fun doing this and uh you'll catch you next time see you then bye bye, bye.